Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you looking for a new podcast to tune into? I know I am always interested in finding new podcasts that leave me with inspiration, a shift in perspective, or practical tools to help grow both me as an individual and my business as well. If you're looking for a new show, one that I listen to weekly is called We Wild Women, hosted by Renee Warren. I'm gonna link that up in the show notes here, but I highly recommend heading over to We Wild Women and tuning in to Renee and all of her epic guests that she brings onto the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. Take two. I'm trusting that take two is going to be way better than episode number one that Emma Jack and I recorded multiple weeks ago for you all. And in the true form of podcasting, sometimes things happen in all aspects of life. Actually, Emma and I are now laughing and our audio just did not work. And let me be clear. It was not Emma's. It was my audio did not work. And so here we are for a, another episode, a take two of our recording with my dear friend, Emma Jack. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I feel like such a privilege being a return guest. You are. The You're the first return guest on the, first. on the podcast. <laughs> yes. You know what? That feels good. That feels good. I'm honored. <laughs> this is now the language we are choosing to bring into this episode so that we can deliver epic value for all of those listening. And for us, we always say we love having these conversations anyways. And now we just put mics in front of us so that you can join in on deep and meaningful conversations that, that we just love to have. It fills our soul up and we hope that it fills yours up as well. Yeah. For those that have been tuning in, we are in the middle of a women inspiring series, and I cannot think of another woman I would want to put in front of you other than Emma Jack. Emma has been a part of my journey for multiple years now, and there have been so many pivotal moments in my life and as an entrepreneur where she's the person I I text. She's the person I send a funny emoji to. She's the person I send pictures to on Instagram with rat tails because I've been working all day as an entrepreneur and I look like a hot mess and no one else is going to get it fully other than Emma. And so Emma, I just want to send my love and gratitude for you for being that person for me and being somebody who I feel like we've been on this ride with since day one of transitioning from let's call it more formal 
backgrounds to being on this roller coaster of entrepreneurship. So, so grateful you're here. Uh, I'm so grateful I'm here and I am so grateful for you. I actually had a moment, uh, when was that on Monday, where I actually was like sitting from the floor on my computer and I was like, I should probably text Jackie a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> that is our, that's the dynamic of our relationship. Text Every, silly photos to each other. Yeah. Everyone needs that person. Everyone needs that person in business and in life. Absolutely. Well, welcome to the show. Let's start with your story and going back around kind of what did you do in terms of your professional career? And then where are you today? Because one of the things that we're doing on this Women Inspiring series is we're really diving into transitions and we're really diving into the moments where we might be scared shitless and we choose to do something anyways, because there's something so innately within us that keeps guiding us towards that. And I know that's your story, but let's <laughs> dive into that and let's go back to graduated. And what did you start your career in? Yeah. So I always say by trade, I'm a physical therapist. And for such a long time, I wanted to become a physical therapist. I remember telling people that growing up. Um, so I graduated as a physical therapist and I got right into practice um, and specialized into sport physical therapy and had a very successful career, you know, was able to travel to major games. I worked with national level sports teams, Olympic athletes, and, you know, really built quite uh, from the outside successful career uh, doing that. And the trick was on the inside, it was really, really feeling quite terrible. I started to battle with anxiety. I was dealing with a high level of burnout, overwhelmed stress, and it was no longer feeling fun to do it. it the, the passion had sort of died. I went out from graduation pretty hard and just, you know, sought achievement after achievement after achievement. And eventually my, my body and my brain said, no more of this. This is no longer um, sustainable. And so I, you know, there was probably multiple points, multiple warning signs along the way that, you know, the pace I was working at and how I was showing up in the world was not sustainable, but it really took me having a panic attack to realize, you know, not this again. Um, and so from that sort of what I call my bathroom floor moment, uh, one Sunday night, I had a really, you know, bad bout of Sunday scaries. And I remember sitting on the bathroom floor being like, not this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And from that moment on, really, it has been a process of figuring out myself and my own needs and my own operating system and what lights me up um, and working my life around that. And so that manifested itself in uh, opening my own practice and doing that at a much different pace and operating in a much different way than other physical therapists were operating and ultimately has led me to a beautiful coaching practice where uh, now I predominantly work with women in healthcare in the exact same spot that I was six years ago, sitting on that bathroom floor, 
who are, you know, burnt out, not feeling in alignment and really wanting to reimagine what their careers and their life might look like. And so it's been my own process. And now I'm so grateful to be in the process of helping other people make the transition from things that are no longer feeling good and, and shedding old identities and old stories. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Your story is so impactful because what I keep hearing you say is I kept having to like reassess the alignment of what I was doing against what was happening internally with my body, like sitting on the bathroom floor, having a panic attack with this notion of you were living at that point in time, what was once a dream. Mm-hmm. That was the yeah. dream for so long and things iterated as you continue to progress. Can you talk about that? Like you were living your dream and there's probably some conditioning that's like, I should be so happy. I should, I should, <laughs> whatever we should all yeah. over ourselves. Like what was that unfolding? Like of saying no more. And then what was that first initial step that you took? Yeah, I think so often we can stay, and I know for myself, I stayed so attached to the dream I had when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I was 30 and and had changed so much and grown so much and just kind of ignored all of that um, and, and stayed so focused on that, on those goals. And, and I think I thought that every step along the way, as I like got that next achievement or did that next thing on the list, that it was going to feel different. And I think that moment on the bathroom floor was that realization, girl, you can keep doing all the things and it's not going to feel any better. Um, and, and so I think I had built my identity so much around who I was in a business sense and the achievements I was getting and really seeking that external validation. And I was, to be truthful, completely unaware that I could give myself that validation and Mm. I could do whatever I wanted, you know, whether it was physical therapy or anything else. I was so in that moment thinking, oh my gosh, if I'm not a PT, what am I? I really, I truly felt like I had no identity if I was not that. Mm. And so that's where the professional, the professional development didn't matter. It was all personal development that needed to be done. And I think I saw that in that moment on the bathroom Mm -hmm. floor. And so, you know, anyone who's in healthcare, they always tell me that they've got into healthcare because they want to help other people. And I'm definitely one of those people. I I am the helper. I'm the Enneagram number two. Uh, I love being of service and helping others. And so with that, it can feel really hard or almost like we don't deserve to ask for help ourselves. And that was probably one of the first moments in my life where I realized maybe this is beyond me. Maybe I need help in this process myself. And so my first step, your first, you know, first step on that journey was a realizing I needed help. And the bigger step was actually reaching out for that help, Mm. um, which was hard. That was a big, that was a big step for me. That was not something that came natural or easy on admitting I needed help. It's still an Achilles heel for me. Oh yeah. Asking oh, it'll come help. up. Have you like, has this been <laughs> something that you feel like I've conquered? I know ask for help whenever <laughs> I need it. Or is it still an Achilles heel for you that will show up sometimes? I will say, I like to call it a practice. 
Um, and just really noticing and honoring myself when I do ask for help. And that can be as little as, you know, when my partner asks, is there anything I can do to help you for dinner? My default response is no, I've got it. But it's sort of consciously saying, yes, you could, you know, wash the vegetables. And so I really, every day, try and make it a practice to look at places where I could receive um, because I was so good at serving, but I was so, so terrible at receiving myself. Mm. Um, and so it's a practice. Yeah, it comes up. It comes up. It runs through and through. <laughs> it's a total, like, I mean, this, this has been used so many times, but it really is this like peeling back of the layers, right? It's the shedding of the layers. We could use the onion as kind of an analogy of like, how many layers do we have to keep shedding over and over again? I'm curious for you along that journey from six years ago to today, I know, cause I've witnessed it. One of the things you are so good at is leaning in when you make the choice to get the help and not being afraid to invest in that help. You've definitely been somebody who's invested in their personal growth, you know, put money, time resources against really going deep inner from the inner side what has that felt like for you? Like, what has that brought up to realize like, Hey, I need to ask for help, but sometimes I also need to invest in the help so that I become, I keep becoming this woman I'm stepping into the next version of self. I think that's so it. I I'll never forget investing in myself for the first time. Um, it was, I think a six week container. And I remember freaking out because it was maybe $500 and I had never spent that kind of money on something that wasn't going to give me a credential or the world wasn't going to give me a gold star for. Mm -hmm. This was work I was going to be doing and nobody was going to see, you know, potentially any changes within me. Um, And I remember making that investment. And in those short six weeks, I didn't even realize the, you know, how unlocked or how locked I was and how much unlocking there was to do. Mm-hmm. And I saw how, how small changes were making massive impacts in my life. And I knew I wouldn't commit myself if I wasn't investing. The investment for me is part of the transformation. Mm. You know, you can read all the self-help books and podcasts. And truthfully, I had been doing that for a while thinking, okay, I just need to read this book. Or if I listen to Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown enough, it'll just sink in. And and it's just not the case. Um, to me, the investment is so important to showing up, to committing, to creating really uncomfortable change um, that is in your highest good. Mm. Yeah. For me, the transformations, the spots that I can go back to and think like, wow, that was a step change. Like I transformed in that container with that coach or in that room was because I made a significant investment in it. And there was something behind that, that went with it, that I even showed up differently, like how I leaned in, how I showed up, how I took initiative. I think sometimes I know for myself, there's been times where like, I expect something of the coach or like, oh, this coach is going to change me when really it's you doing the work and what you put in, you will get out of these containers. And that person is maybe a guide for you or somebody to kind of show you things that you can't see sometimes a mirror for me. Yeah. Um, But ultimately 
it has been those moments of like investment. So I could have a lived experience that have created the like ripple of, oh, I see that now. And now what am I going to do with that? And how can I take another action? What have you, like, I'm curious for you, if you think back to some of the transformation you've gone through, what have been some of those like pivotal unlocks for you that you've learned about yourself along the way? Mm, I think honestly, one of the biggest things for me with all of the work is me slowing down. It forces me to slow down, to pause, to reflect. Um, And I think in society these days, it's so easy just to keep going on to what's next without sort of staying still for a bit and, and reflecting back and looking at, you know, what's been working, what's maybe not working, what needs tweaked. And I just never gave myself the opportunity to do that before and maybe wasn't even conscious I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every container I think has had a different effect on me, but overall, every, every investment I've made has taught me something about myself, which then I can go and implement into my life and business and change, you know, some structure because it's based on what I now know about myself and my own needs. Mm. Um, I absolutely, I think, you know, learning my human design was earth shattering <laughs> the work I did, um, with Aaron, uh, Aaron Claire Jones on that, um, really did, you know, all of it just sort of grants permission for maybe some of the things that you judge yourself for or thought were actually weaknesses and actually showing you that those things are maybe your gift and maybe you need to lean into that even more. And I think there was a lot of stuff. I had a very strong inner critic. Um, and so there was a lot of things that I've realized along the way aren't at all things I need to judge myself for. They're actually things I need to bring out more. Mm-hmm. Mm, they're actually your superpower and your gifting. I love that. Um, yeah. Tell the listeners what's your human design. Uh, my human design. I am a two, four splenic projector. Mm, so if you haven't done your human design, highly recommend you can do free ones, but Aaron Claire Jones did both Emma and mine. And it is really an unlock to give you for me, it, assessment tools, human design, um, Enneagram there's, there's disc assessments, et cetera, that maybe be, be used more in like a corporate environment but it gives you just this different insight into information to your point of what some of your unique gifts actually are and how you may see the world, what lens you may be looking through the world and how you also receive, which is something that I've definitely been working on as a woman, mother, partner, all the things businesswoman is how to receive in an environment and in a world that frankly didn't really teach us how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have found, so I want to take you back. So slowing down is what you just said was one of your greatest lessons, which is also mm-hmm. innately been one of mine. I talk about the power and the pause a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Cause I go back and if I go back to your kind of upbringing in your early stages of career, the mentality of corporate, and I'm assuming there's some similarities in physical therapy was head down, push, grind. How much could you do? How many people could you see? How many metrics could you hit? And there was a 
heavy, I call it, this is language, but I call it a heavy kind of masculine undertone to that of like a head down and do. And I equated a lot of my worth to doing what I could output, what my results were, what could I, what could I achieve? There's been an innate shift I've seen in you. And I know I've seen in myself, which this ability to slow down has given me a moment to reflect and think about how I can add some of just being into my day to actually change that modality. But that took time because that was like a conditioned belief I had built into me. And I'm still on the journey of unwinding a lot of that belief because up until 26, I have 26 years of life that taught me that that was the way to be successful in this world. And now I'm trying to kind of demantle that and figure out, well, what does that actually feel like for me? And how can I rebuild? Can you talk about that experience for you a little bit of like the kind of unconditioning some of that, like belief systems that were built in you for so many years? Yeah, I think, you know, that's, it's, it's not that much different than corporate. You know, I think if we look at any business sector, the message is work hard, make money, you know, um, and in terms of healthcare, you know, my, my paycheck at the end of every week was based on how many people I saw. So if I wanted to make more money, I needed to jam more people in my schedule and, and get them results. And so two things happen. You, I worked myself way too hard, especially if people know human design as a projector, (laughs) I was working way too much. And I was so, my self-worth was so tangled up with the outcomes my clients received. Mm. And I had, you know, there was such a sense of ownership and, and I was so afraid that somebody wasn't going to get better because if a client didn't get better under my care, what did that say about me? Never once thinking that there's two people in this relationship and there were so many factors outside of me as to why somebody wouldn't get better. But I think detaching that self-worth and understanding that I'm worthy as I am, whether or not a client gets the outcome they desire is not my is not my responsibility. And so that was huge. And and I really had to create a bit of a different model in terms of when I started my own practice, knowing I wasn't going to be able to turn, you know, 20 people in and out of my practice in a day. I had to, I structured it different. I knew I was good for about five hours. And so if I was going to see clients, I had to charge a rate that was, you know, going to be appropriate for my energy expenditure in them. And so it was very different than a lot of people have been operating. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to be okay with that because, you know, there's people who can go and hustle and work and that actually, you know, fuels them and going to bed exhausted feels really good. And that is perfect for them, but that was not me. And so that comes back to really understanding my own needs and how I operate and how I work best and structuring my business to support that. So what have been like, where you're at today, what does a day in the life of look like? Like, what does your calendar week over week look like? <laughs> I would almost love to yeah. do a side-by-side comparison of like <laughs> oh Emma seven years ago to Emma today. Like what are some of the yeah. true things that have actually been like game-changing um, shifts in how you even manage your day? 
Yeah, it's gosh, it's so different. And you know, it's funny you say that because I was going back, you know, getting prepared for tax season and even just looking back a year ago today, it was quite different. You know, these shifts don't happen overnight. This has been a six year evolution. I used to work in PT five days a week, Monday through Friday and see, you know, 12 to 14 clients at least a day. Today, I work one day a week clinically. I maybe will see about eight people and that feels that's probably max. Um, and then my other, I have three days of coaching, which looks like maximum four coaching calls a day. Mm-hmm. I know my limit. I know my ability to hold space and hold appropriate energy for people. And max I can do is four a day. And so I have usually three or four, um, three days a week. And then on Wednesdays is my buffer day. It's my day to do the things that I need to do in order to show up and serve um, others. And and I always come back to this notion, and it always sounds so cliche, but they always say you can't pour from an empty cup, but I don't think you can pour from a full cup either, because if you pour from a full cup, you're, you're left depleted. Mm-hmm. And so Wednesday, I, I sort of see as my overflow day. If I can, you know, be so full and just serve from a place of overflow, um, that's how I want to show up in this world. And so really doing my own work, you know, especially in the coaching industry, it's so important that you're doing your work and you're remaining, you know, a clear vessel yourself so that you can, you know, see others the same way. Mm, I love that. One of the things that a number of women I've had conversations with over the last honestly decade, but let's just say the last couple months specifically <laughs> that really come to mind is what shows up on that edge. So let's say, let's put this into kind of context. There's somebody that's been thinking about making a change in their lives and they keep coming up against that edge of just about to take the step or just about to take that leap. And then there's a resistance and it keeps pulling them back into maybe what they've always known, something that's comfortable, something that feels more secure. What would you say to that woman who gets to the ledge and imposter syndrome shows up, Mm. fear shows up, a belief that Emma Jack's already doing it. So like, who am I to do it? Right. What do you say to that woman? I think, you know, there's, gosh, so many things. Um, And I think, you know, everything, I look back on my own journey And truly, I, in a way, needed to hit rock bottom in order to make the change. And sometimes, you know, little whispers will happen and little nudges will happen, but it's just not enough. The discomfort of the change isn't attractive enough as the comfort of not changing. And at some point, it switches. Where I, you know, that moment I was on the bathroom floor, the discomfort of staying the same was just way too much than the discomfort that was, you know, on the other side of me diving in. I had to make the change. It just didn't make sense not to. And sometimes I think, you know, we can warn people as much as as we want. Hey, you know what? You you might might want to lessen your load, or maybe you need to ask for help. And you know, we can give advice to people, but they need to want it themselves first. And so if it, if the whispers aren't loud enough yet, at some point, it's going to be a two by four and, and they will, you know, be there and realize 
And so I think it's one of those, if not now, you know, maybe, maybe there is another time, but then also really exploring that inner block. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, if it is fear of failure or imposter syndrome, really getting like comfy with that block and looking at, okay, where, where are other places this has come up for me before? How has this continued to show up in my life? And when I've challenged it or gone against that feeling, what's happened for me? Because mm-hmm. I think you'll see a pattern of, okay, I've felt imposter syndrome before and I've done the thing anyway and look where it got me. And so really figuring out the outer block is not making the change, but the inner block, there's there's some fear, fear of failure, fear of judgment. Um, and so really getting comfy with that and investigating that first. Mm-hmm. That's such good advice. I think that just getting clear on what that resistance is. And I found it hard sometimes to find the language for it. You know, yeah. like there would be a feeling, but I'd be like, well, what is this feeling? And it was hard <laughs> for me to really decipher it. Have you ever experienced that where you're like trying to figure out exactly what it is has when what's been helpful for you to actually find the language to articulate the feeling in your body? Well, I think that was a big thing for me just generally, I was so disconnected from my body. I mean, I worked with physical bodies (laughs) day in and day out. And if anybody, you know, back in 2016 asked me what I was feeling in my body, I would have been like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? I feel nothing. I'm fine. My muscles are fine. I don't have any issues. I, I don't have injuries. Exactly. And, and so even that concept was really foreign to me of, oh, when I'm feeling fearful, how does that show up in my body? And that is a learning process about yourself as to where those things show up and how they might um, manifest. And to me, like even slowing down and trying to, you know, that can be a deeply uncomfortable experience to just pause and have no external stimuli and no music and no phone and just check in with yourself. That can be really dysregulating for a lot of people because we just don't do it and we don't practice it. And so potentially that's, you know, a great spot to start. I also think, you know, journaling for me has been an epic practice because if you just keep your pen on your paper long enough, the truth does come out, right? It's, oh, wow. I, I think often it's not that we don't know, we just don't want to bring it to consciousness because then we have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, journaling to me can be a beautiful way to bring maybe something that's sitting a little bit more unconscious into consciousness. You and I both pen to paper. It just pulls things out of me that I didn't even know were within me or I pull them to consciousness. It's interesting that you say that though. I was in a yoga class this week and the yoga instructor said, you know, in her kind of opening remarks and closing remarks that at one point in her life, you know, she thought that self-awareness meant rainbows and unicorns and butterflies. (laughs) And that now in hindsight, you know, that quote, ignorance is bliss. Like maybe there was something to that because with that self-awareness generally, um, that generally proceeds kind of action of actually having to do something with it. And that can have a lot of a roller coaster effect of different emotions once we start uncovering what they actually are. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, like, did you have a perception that once you became self-aware, 
it would be quote unquote easy in some way, shape or form. Did you think <laughs> that or did, I, were you just like naive and didn't know until you got in there? I think it's one of those things. I think, you know, it'd be interesting to hear from more people on this, but I think everybody goes into personal development thinking it's going to be, you know, just this like little excavation and then you're done. And it's like, oh, I, I did that. Like check that box. I did that when actually you just like keep digging the hole and maybe it gets more specific and more narrow, but like it truly never ends. I think I went into it thinking, you know, I needed to do this work for my career. Like I was very much focused on doing some of this work around how will this fix my relationship with my career and what I want to do next. Not seeing how this work was totally applicable to my relationships, my relationship with myself, like literally all aspects of life. And so it can be so easy to sort of think that work and life are separate things. And, and definitely you only come to realize, oh no, A, this work never ends. <laughs> you are never done. It's just, it's a deepening, it's a revisiting often. Mm -hmm. um, and it will serve all areas of life. How many times have I texted you and said, I thought I already learned this lesson. <laughs> <laughs> the the amount of, is like, not yet. <laughs> the amount of times that as you continue to unfold and redefine and discover yourself that the universe will continue to put these lessons in front of you because you haven't learned it to the fullest extent yet. And so it can be, you know, if you have, if you're listening in and you're like, gosh, this thing just keeps happening. It feels like cyclical. It just shows up again and again and again. To me, that's been an interesting learning of the universe saying like, we may have learned pieces and we may have started peeling back the onion, but the fullness of this lesson hasn't been fully actualized yet. There's still work to yeah. do here, sister. So, yeah. but sometimes it feels like, gosh, I felt like I just learned this lesson and why are we here again? Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like it's not fair, but I think what happens is, is we sharpen the learning. Mm -hmm. And so we recognize patterns quicker. We mm -hmm. respond, you know, in a, in a more refined way. We, I, I do think the lessons come back and will come back and come back. Um, but how we recognize and deal with those lessons is always just like a 1% change. I've also found for me, the difference in how I approach it when it shows up again has, has been a really interesting unlock. So in past, when certain patterns show up, there was a little bit more of a victim mentality, a little bit more of like a mm -hmm. woe is me mentality, like, oh, this is here again. You know, and there was a little bit yeah. more of that undertone of victimization. And one of the things language wise, I'm really mindful of when I think about different lessons I'm learning in my life right now is how is this happening for me? How do I start mm -hmm. to see that these lessons are coming back? Because maybe the lesson hasn't been fully learned. And so the universe is putting it in front of me again to go through one, maybe I am in a more evolved state, but two, there's something here for me. And if that for me has been one of the biggest unlocks, just even in my language and perception and how I look at lessons that keep showing up time and time again. Yeah. Has that helped you change that narrative? Absolutely. Like I think, you know, if you're start if you're starting with the feeling of 
woe is me. I can't believe this is happening again. I must not be making progress. Why am I like this? The energy of that is very different Mm -hmm. than, oh, interesting. I'm noticing this is coming back. I wonder what this is here to teach me. And let's go down this path. Um, It's a very different energy to, to use. And I think, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about early on doing personal development work is you start to catch these things just like a little bit quicker, a little bit faster and with a little different eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so helpful. Mm, I love this. All right. One more thing that I really want to dive into with you is this ability for women to give themselves permission to evolve. Mm. I think sometimes in my own experience, I've gotten so caught up in an identity or I've put myself in this box to say like, this is who I am. And I've felt guilt, shame, uncomfortableness, um, around shedding that identity and giving myself permission to try again, inclusive of building my own business and evolving it multiple times over. There was this fear of, well, what are people going to think? Because here we go again, I'm changing my business. And one of the conversations I have so, so often with women is the undertone for me, what I keep hearing time and time again is like, why are we not giving ourselves permission to evolve? Like, isn't that part of this story? Isn't that part of this journey? Isn't that part of life? And I'm curious for you, I've witnessed you evolve daily. It feels like sometimes, <laughs> but like, honestly, every year yeah. there's another version of Emma that just keeps stepping up and into this world to serve in such a, a different way than the year before. How have you navigated that to give yourself permission to evolve and also all the women you serve? How do you hold space for them? Yeah, I think that comes back to, again, some of these societal narratives, you know, so often the, the messages, yeah, you get the career, you get the degree, and then you work in that industry. And that's kind of what's been traditionally done. And I think it's pretty ninja to recognize when something is no longer for you and that something might fit better. And, and I'd be lying to sit here today and say that it was easy for me or it has been easy for me to shift and change. But I've noticed a few things. One, everybody was so excited for me. When I announced, I, so I built a very successful brick and mortar clinic and then I announced, you know what? I'm closing it. And there was no, you know, it didn't make sense to a lot of people. But the feedback I got from so many people was, oh my gosh, I wish I could do the same. You know, Mm -hmm. they had businesses that were no longer feeling good. And by me going out there and saying, hey, this business is running and it's making me good money and I'm consciously choosing to close it down, gave permission to other people to do the same and show them that this is possible. And I think we need examples of that. We need to see it. If everyone else is just towing the line and doing what's always been done, it's going to feel really hard. And so I think we all need to be more transparent in our transitions of saying, you know what, I used to do this. And guess what? It doesn't work anymore. So here's the iteration. Because your people will be thrilled by that. If you're feeling good about the work you're doing in the world, everyone benefits. 
And so I don't think it should ever be a source of shame. I think it's something to truly be admired. Mm. You said something there that's so profound too, that we need examples of people who often go before us and we kind of witness mm-hmm. that they can do it. And so therefore we create this, like, I always say like borrow belief, right? We borrow belief yeah. to say like, okay, I can do this too. And so it's one thing, you know, if you're listening and you are on that fence or you know that you need to evolve or you're at that kind of transitionary phase, be mindful of the responsibility. Like we all have, you could go first and be that for so many other people. Like you could be the mm-hmm. example because there's something within you that needs to be birthed and only you have the unique gifts to actually bring that to life. And so think about all the people that you could support as well of stepping fully in that. Mm, I love this. We can have a whole conversation on that topic alone, I feel like. (laughs) That'll be for my third appearance. That will be when you're back for the third time. (laughs) I love it. Well, I know from lived experience that you don't just work with women in healthcare, that you also work with really all women, but you work with teams and you worked with our team last year. And it was such a profound shift for my team. It was the number one thing that they came back with in our kind of year summary of the thing that changed the most for them was coaching with Emma. And so I put that out there because I'd love you to maybe talk about one, how can people work with you Two, where can people find you? And I just want to open up people's mindsets that like for me as a leader, having a coach come in that is unbiased and frankly is not in our business, maybe does not have, sometimes I'm like, does she know, does she know what we really do? Like, I'm like, but you come in as an external perspective to just hold space for the humans that are in front of you. For me as a leader, I feel so much like trust and um, ease knowing that they have a place to go to. That's not just me all the time, that they have a place that they can work through thoughts and things that they're unpacking too. But let's start there. Where, where can people find you and who do you work with primarily? Yeah. Um, so people can find me my most like active platform is probably Instagram. I'm at press play physio on Instagram. Um, but my website is emmajack.com. Um, and I think you touched on something really important there. I think it's so important to see the people who make up your team as humans before employees Mm. and understanding that whatever's happening for them, whether it's in their mind or in their personal life is going to be brought into work. And I think when you start to treat people as humans, and grow people as humans, you're going to get a better perspective and and people are going to show up different at work. Um, So I, I, you know, the work with your team was so fun and impactful and seeing how, you know, small shifts that have nothing to do with work can absolutely transform how somebody shows up in their work, the pride they take in their work, um, their performance. And so, yes, you know, in terms of it, to me, it's not, you can't just do business coaching. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you've got to respect that every human has a life and, and that's important too. And so I think of myself as like the life coach for businesses. <sighs> yeah. Amen. I love that. We will link up always to get in contact with you for those listening. Emma Jack, 
I love you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I know there will be an episode three, no doubt. If you're tuning in and there's something that really caught you today or a topic that you would love us to go deeper on, let us know because we want to make sure that we're creating conversations and topics that really feel good to all. So thank you, Emma, for being here. And thank you. We will see you again on the Jackie Service Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.